Hey, what is up, soccer fans? We are back here with the Saudi Soccer Show. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Lofermento. As always, joined by the voice of soccer in America, Nick Webster. Nick, how are you doing now that the international break is over? Thank goodness the international break's over. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of happy. My, uh, my glorious three Lions whooped Italy 3-1. Outstanding performance. Jude Bellingham, if he's not in the, on his way to the Saudi Pro League this time next year... There's something going very wrong in the world of football because he was quite magnificent, quite possibly the best player in the world right now. Yeah, Nick, I'll tell you what, if there's one thing that I know to be true of any Englishman who ever appears on the Saudi soccer show, it's that they're going to bring the three lines up. But rightfully so, because Jude Bellingham is the real deal as he exhibited on, on the international break. But lots of news to look forward to, actually, Nick. Normally, the international break brings kind of a doldrums, a, a boring period in club football. But gosh, when it comes to the Saudi Pro League, we've got a bunch of headlines that we're going to dive into. First things first, we've got to talk about... The special one, Jose Mourinho. Yes. I mean, if the special one isn't in the news, then really there is no news. But, you know, big reports coming out that Jose is, uh, you know, he's, he's had his time at Roma. He's won things at Roma. But then again, Jose wins things wherever he goes. Um, the Saudi Pro League, as we know, seems to have a bottomless well of large amounts of money. And if you're going to attract... Let's call him the biggest manager in world football in the last 20 years. You're going to attract Jose Mourinho. And I think that um, when we look at uh, Espirito Santos with Al Itihad, he hasn't really hit the heights yet. I could just see the special one sliding in there, moving his compatriot, his Portuguese compatriot, out of the way. And the reason why this move makes sense on, on a lot of levels, Brian, is number one, there's a, a ton of Brazilian players in the league, 26 at last count. There's also a lot of Portuguese players in the league. There's a lot of Portuguese managers. And so for me, it's a seamless fit for Jose to have his last swan song at Roma and then get his, not that he needs the money, get the monster payday in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I think one of the other interesting angles when it comes to Jose Mourinho is, Nick, how often here on the show do we talk about the adaptability factor of players, of managers coming to the Saudi Pro League? Jose Mourinho, his career in football began as a translator for Barcelona. And so this is a man who can jive with players from all different backgrounds. I, I can imagine it's only a matter of, you know, an hour or two before he's speaking Arabic, probably walks into the training ground and drops a quick assalamu alaikum and, and players are just like oh my gosh this is why he's the special one so yeah I think that he not only would fit in with the Portuguese the Brazilian players obviously how many players already speak English in the league but I think this is a man who is maybe Nick dare we say the single most adaptable manager in football history is that a big claim no I, I think it's a very legitimate claim look he's done it in Portugal He's done it in Spain. He's done it in England. Yes, some may say that his time in England uh, lately hasn't been as spectacular, but that was with Spurs. And come on. I mean, even at United, he won the double, won the Europa League and the, and the League Cup. Of course, his time at Chelsea was exceptional. Uh, in Italy, with Inter Milan, he won the treble. And with Roma last year, he won a European title. So this is a man who is a serial winner. I know that many have said, not many, but some of the critics say that Jose has passed his prime. I, I don't think we've ever seen Jose Mourinho past his prime. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And I'll tell you what, Roma, the one thing that Roma does a great job at is they have a lot of really incredible English speaking social media content. And they're so good about putting Chris Smalling out there and and Tammy Abraham. They've got quite actually an English core at Roma right now. And the way that these guys still talk about Jose Mourinho, a lot of people like to pretend that he's also out of touch with the younger generations. We saw him clash with the likes of Paul Pogba at United and people wanted to play that up as a generational thing. But gosh, these guys, the guys who play for Jose Mourinho love Jose Mourinho so I think that he'd fit in anywhere he goes and I love the fact that we're talking about this long may this story continue and hopefully he's in the league next year but I also want to talk about his Portuguese compatriot because this weekend might be missing a big star Nick who may have gotten injured during international break well Brian I know this tears streaming down your face right now CR7 who was just simply unstoppable in Euro qualifiers, uh, scoring his 124th, 125th, 126th, and 127th goal for Portugal. He wants 1,000. That's what he said. He wants 1,000 competitive goals. And at the rate he's going, he's probably going to get there before he's 40. But, yes, Portugal is playing Bosnia-Herzegovina and uh, an exuberant, should we call him an exuberant fan, wanted a selfie. Uh, when are these fans going to learn that the selfies for after the game, not during the game, runs on the pitch and steps on the CR7's Achilles, for crying out loud? And uh, obviously he was in quite a bit of pain, had to be subbed. And uh, now certainly Al Nassar is, I, re- I reckon, sweating bullets over the fact that their superstar may not be fit for this weekend after getting stepped on by a fan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you couldn't make this stuff up. Nick, as the old saying goes, international football, what is it good for? And so on that note, we see so many players get injured at the international level. But if I had to pick one good moment about this potential injury, Nick, what jersey was the fan who stepped on Ronaldo wearing? I did not see that. I was too busy worrying about Ronaldo and, and was, was he going to collapse to the floor? So I think this is the first time a European championship qualifying match has been interrupted by a fan wearing a full-on Al-Nassar kit running onto the pitch. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) That's time for everything, huh? It's true, isn't it? So we will be keeping our eyes on Cristiano Ronaldo as far as Al-Nassar's fixtures at the weekend, which I do have the fixture list for those of you who are tuning in on video. Al-Nassar is at home. This is a winnable game against Demar this weekend, which if we take a look at the table, Al-Nassar is climbing. Nick, we're going to take a look at the table before today's episode is over, but really things are looking good at Al-Nassar. So hopefully Ronaldo's back, but I think worst case scenario, if he's not, still should be a very winnable match for them. So we'll be keeping our eyes there, but this is the last thing we're going to say about international football. Nick, it wasn't a great week for everybody when it comes to international football. Certainly not the Falcons. This is the Saudi Arabian national team. Um, lots of news regarding, you know, big qualifiers and, and big international tournaments. Saudi Arabia making it an audacious bid for the 2034 World Cup finals. Um, obviously, as hosts, you get automatic qualification and, and, and they might need it because under new boss Roberto Mancini, who just up and left Italy with, with barely a moment's notice chasing, chasing the big money, the Falcons have not exactly been flying high. They tied Nigeria 2-2 and then lost 
really really poorly at home to Mali by a scoreline of three to one. And already there's a lot of rumors going around that Mancini, unless he gets his act together, he's going he's gonna to be gone. And um, the, the interesting thing for me, Brian, is that when we look at the, the global superstars that are moving to the Saudi Pro League, I was thinking that just by osmosis, by a byproduct of playing with these great players, the Saudi Arabian national team would in fact benefit and start producing some solid results because we saw them in the World Cup in Qatar, incredible victory over Argentina, who went on and won the tournament. Uh, but they really haven't kicked on from that. And I'm wondering, is it the fault of Mancini? Yeah, it's interesting to think about, Nick. And, and you're right. It is a pivotal time in Saudi footballing heritage, really, because we're not just talking about the now. We are looking forward. And, and you bring up the prospects of the World Cup coming to Saudi Arabia. That's a big deal. Nick, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I, I love some of the tang tangents that we get into here on the Saudi Soccer Show. And, and here on International Week, it's appropriate to talk about World Cup hosts. Obviously, the World Cup is coming stateside. And, and not too long from now, Los Angeles, controversially, may not get any matches at all now, it sounds like, which is a big turn of events but Nick you've been to a lot of World Cups and and I know that there are some World Cups where they're hosted in traditional footballing countries you get the the atmosphere I mean I I wasn't born yet to know what the 1986 World Cup was like and, and Diego Maradona and the hand of God and in crazy stadiums all over Mexico and all the footballing heritage Italian 90 we hear about obviously England won it on home soil in 66 but now we're starting to see some of the quote-unquote newer footballing countries hosting them Nick, some ways you're a traditionalist, some ways you're quite progressive with regards to footballing changes. How do you feel about the World Cup and, and hosts and Saudi Arabia, Qatar most recently? Where do we take it? Well, it does seem to be quite a quick turnaround to remain in the Middle East. Qatar 2022, Saudi Arabia 12 years later. Um, obviously, FIFA, I'm, I'm not particularly impressed with them at the moment. Their plans for the... 2030 World Cup, which will be the 100-year anniversary, is all over the place. They're thinking about a game in Argentina, a game in Uruguay, maybe a game in Brazil, and then moving it over to Spain and possibly Morocco and Portugal, and it's just all over the shop. So uh, I think FIFA have got some, uh, some soul-searching to do. Um, look, 2034 Saudi Arabia, we know that it will probably be even more magnificent and spectacular than Qatar. Um, the infrastructure that's going on in the country right now uh, lends itself to perhaps the most fantastical World Cup we've ever seen. Is it problematic? Uh, could it be called sports washing, which is a term that a lot of journalists like to throw around? Yes, but let's be honest. Has the Middle East been underserved with international and world football in the last 100 years? And you would have to say, Absolutely. It's been a European game and it's been a South American game. The Middle East has really been on the outside looking in. They're making a big play. They're making a big statement. And if they produce a World Cup that was as good as Qatar 2022, then I'm all for it because many people have said, and this is critics as well, that the World Cup in terms of football was the best World Cup ever in Qatar. So... 2020, 2034, 
let's bring it. Let's see what happens. And, and may the Falcons fly. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to think about, for example, the legacy that the Olympics tend to leave behind. The Olympic mission is really, we're going to go bring sporting excellence to places all over the world. And and we you see it in real life. When you go to, in Los Angeles, you go to the Coliseum, you see traces of the Olympics. It inspires young children to say, whoa, sporting excellence has been here. When you go to Barcelona, Barcelona's Olympic Village is one of the most impressive things I've seen on any trip that I've taken to Europe. So it's maybe it's about time. The The World Cup doesn't have to be in traditional footballing countries. It can it can ignite. We saw it here in 94. It ignited the launch of Major League Soccer in 1996. The Saudi Pro League is already leading the way. What could the World Cup do to football in the entire region? So love that perspective from you, Nick. It's time to turn our attention back to domestic football. Al Tawoon has been the star of the show this season, Nick. How many good things can we keep saying about them? Well, listen, Pericles Chumaska, the Brazilian genius. That's what I'm going to start calling him. Um, how he's keeping his team in this top five, it really is, is quite amazing. And he's doing it on a completely shoestring budget. Um, coming up this weekend, it is a test. It's two versus four, Al-Itihad. Now, they are missing a certain player, which we'll get to in just a second. I really fancy Alto Wound to do the business at home. I think one of the things I would like to see, though, is a bit more fan support. Their their gates, their attendances have been a, li- a little shoddy for a team that's in the in the top five. And especially we're, we're now we're now looking at a quarter of the season has gone, more than a quarter of the season. Um, second place, goal difference of plus twelve. I mean, the games on Saturday they could potentially be in first place. And that would just be absolutely remarkable. And what it would do is just pile the pressure on Nuno Espirito Santos. So I'm all for Altaiwoon. Come on, boys. Let's stick it to the big lads. Yeah, I'll tell you what, looking at this league table, Nick, this is what we football fans are crying out for, proper title races. Look at this, Al-Halal, first place, everyone's on nine games played, Al-Halal, 23 points, Al-Tawun, 22 points, then you can go all the way down to fifth place Al-Ali with Al-Nasar and Al-Itihad in between. Al-Ali is only three points back of second place and they're in fifth. So much excitement at the top of the table and you're right, it's every week we highlight the quote-unquote big five in these fixtures but Altawun is really forcing us Nick they truly have become the stars of the Saudi soccer show and rightly so but when we look at the top of the table the very top we look at Al-Hilal and you already alluded to there's a big injury that we're talking about this week and it is quite a significant one He also, I guess we could call him the most expensive man in football because he's been signed for crazy money, both at PSG and now at Al-Hilal. Nick, it's the beginning of the end for Neymar, as usual. Unbelievable. He goes to World Cup qualifiers with Brazil. They're very, very poor against Venezuela. Somebody throws some popcorn at him which pissed him off no end. 
Brazil only could tie Venezuela, who are usually the, the whipping boys. Then they play Uruguay, a team they've not lost to in, I think it was 24, 25 years. Neymar gets injured. It looked like a bad one at the time. The reports came through today. Torn ACL and meniscus. Oh, my goodness me. Brian, he's, he's not played 90 minutes barely for his new club, Al Hittihad. He hasn't scored yet. He's only got one assist on the season. He's missed a penalty, and now he's gone for a year. Wow. Yeah. I hope. I hope that whoever signed him made sure that there was an insurance medical clause in that as well. Otherwise, it will be the biggest money. I, 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 you know, I don't want to call it waste, but what's a, what's a good way to describe it? Big money down the drain that you've ever seen. The biggest in the world, hands down, no doubt. But Nick, isn't this the story of Neymar's career? Go back to probably episode two of this show. And I was saying, this is a man who doesn't take football seriously. This is a man who's always injured. This is a man who's not motivated. This is a man who doesn't take care of himself. We see videos of what he does every time he goes back to Brazil. It's no surprise to me. Contrast it. I think that we can really see the differences when we look at contrast in life and in sport. Oh, here he goes. Here he goes. Is he going to mention CR7 by any chance? <laughs> let's just say there's a, a certain... Let's say there's a certain 38-year-old player who happens to be the leading goal scorer in world football in the calendar year of 2023. Someone who's outscoring Erling Holland, someone who's outscoring Lewandowski, someone who's outscoring literally every big-name goal scorer in the world, and he's 38 years old, and Nick... We're talking about an injury scare for Cristiano Ronaldo today. We're talking about Neymar's out for a year. There's the contrast right there. And just a note for listeners, it's not Al-Itihad. Nick, you love putting Neymar on Al-Itihad. Al-Hilal is where he is. And gosh, yes, it has been a waste of money. I'm not afraid to say it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Jorge Jesus, the, the manager, must be just shaking his head. But... On the, on the plus side for him, he does have Mitrovic, who has been in fine form since moving over from Fulham. So, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it really is gobsmackingly just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. When I, when I read it, I was, I was completely stunned. Yeah, so interesting things, which will happen again at the top of the table. But Nick, you made a good point calling out Mitrovic. It's funny, every every week when we talk about Al-Halal, it's probably why you you transfer Neymar to a different club every week. It's, it's because... Al-Hilal has not missed him. Mitrovic is the man at Al-Hilal. So we'll see if that continues. But at the end of the day, I'm pumped. The action is back in the league. We took a look at the league table already. Nick, walk us through this weekend's results because, or this weekend's fixtures because they're coming thick and fast now that the international breaks are over. Well, I think the 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 there's a couple of big games. Obviously, we pointed out Al-Tawun against Al-Itihad. I think that there's another manager under pressure, and his name is Steven Gerrard. They are playing El Riyadh. Um, Al-Etifak have not been consistent. Uh, they've dropped out of the top five. They're now in seventh place. Al-Fateh have, uh, well, I'm not going to say leapfrogged, but have moved ahead on goal difference. So this this is a huge game for for Steven Gerrard's team. And then, of course, you know, you, you mentioned al 
Al Hilal. Um, no Neymar. Is there going to be? Is there going to be a hangover? I mean, they're at home with a game that they should win quite easily. But sometimes when you lose, I'm, I'm not going to say he's a talisman because he certainly hasn't been that yet. But he is a superstar, and it will cast a real dark cloud over the club. And then, of course, your boys Al Nassar playing Demarc. You know. We do know Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo is, is, is very durable. I'm sure his Achilles hurts a little bit, but don't be surprised if he scores a hat-trick. But so glad to have the league back. Games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yes, and you all, if you are watching us on YouTube, you can see the league table right here. Things are moving and shaking, and when clubs are this close in the standings together, things change a lot on a week-by-week basis. So Nick and I have some surprise guests up our sleeves coming up on the Saudi Soccer Show. So some players, some potential agents, some other things that are going on here behind the scenes at the Saudi Soccer Show. So wherever it is that you're tuning in, we increasingly are seeing more and more of you finding us on YouTube. So long may that continue. Keep those comments coming. I'll tell you what, we're going to start featuring some of those YouTube comments. We so greatly appreciate you tuning in on YouTube as well as wherever it is that you tune into podcasts. Pound that subscribe button because the action is back and we'll see you as always every week here on the Saudi Soccer Show.